You're listening to Regen Reports. Hope you are. If a tree falls in an ancient forest, does it end up in your closet? So we have less than 20% of the world's ancient and endangered forest intact today. Forest ecosystems have been identified as the fastest, cheapest, most effective way for us to stabilize our climate. Ultimately, there is a carbon footprint to everything. Jane Goodall famously says, even chimpanzees have a carbon footprint. So is viscous a better material than polyester or recycled polyester? That's the $64 question. I'm your host, Ripu Daman Bevely. I'm a social entrepreneur, an engineer by education, and you may know me as the Plogman of India. We're in the ancient rainforest in Indonesia. Imagine the setting of the jungle book and you're not too far off. Although it only covers 6% of the world's land surface, it's one of the most biodiverse ecosystems on our planet. Here we have the world's largest flower, endangered tigers, orangutan, that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Every creature has a role to play, whether they're feeding and protecting each other, or like the microbes, providing waste management. Trees tower into the sky, a home and hunting ground for insects, mammals, and birds. These trees have been here for over 130 million years. But in the last half century, more than 74 million hectares have been destroyed. And for context, that's roughly twice the size of Germany. So what can we do to stop it? That's what we are talking about in this episode. How can we stop fashion from destroying our ancient forests? My home is New Delhi. Among the most densely populated places in the world, most polluted city and the least forested area. There has to be a connection and that's why I'm here. I'm joined by Nicole Rycroft, the founder and executive director of Canopy, a non-profit organization dedicated to protecting ancient and endangered forests all over the world. So Nicola, thanks for joining me today. I really wanted to understand what does Canopy do? Canopy is a not-for-profit organization and we work to protect the world's forests, biodiversity, climate and help advance frontline community rights. And we do that essentially by harnessing the purchasing influence of the marketplace, large corporate customers, brands like Puma and others, uh, to help change unsustainable supply chains that are currently driving deforestation and forest degradation. So I'm going to try to break it down a little bit. But before that, let's start with the basics. For people who don't understand the term biodiversity, what is biodiversity? Oh, biodiversity is one of my favorite things on the planet. For me, I mean, there's a technical definition, of course, but biodiversity for me is the magic of life on Earth. It's the variety of species and life that we share this planet with, from the charismatic megafauna like grizzly bears or orangutans to the enigmatic microflora like molds or fungi. Uh, and everything else in between, with two legs, with four legs, with two wings, and in the plant world. And biodiversity is essential for life on Earth. And 80% of the world's terrestrial biodiversity can be found in forest ecosystems around the world. Now, there's one term that we're going to focus on during this conversation, which is ancient forest. Why are ancient forests so important for biodiversity? 
Yeah, so ancient forests are forests that have not been kind of impacted by industrial activity. And so they're old forests. They've kind of got big trees and varied tree heights and canopy lush understory, and they have and support the biodiversity that is indigenous to that region. Um, and these complex forest ecosystems, they take you know, thousands of years to evolve. They're critical for climate stability. Forest ecosystems have been identified as the fastest, cheapest, most effective way for us to stabilize our climate. In fact, an ancient forest or an old growth forest sequesters 40 times more carbon than a plantation. They clean our air, they clean our water and their habitat to the majority of the world's biodiversity. Well, it seems like they do a lot of work for us and the planet. Yeah, as and they're also home to, you know, millions of the world's indigenous uh, peoples around the world. So why is the fashion industry a threat to our ancient forests? What's the connection? So the world's ancient forests have kind of been significantly uh, reduced because of our voracious appetite for wood-based products primarily. So we have less than 20% of the world's ancient and endangered forests still sort of intact today. And the fashion industry is linked to deforestation through its use of leather, but also because there's a family of fabrics called viscose that's really popular because it's lightweight, it's kind of breathable, it's got nice design features. It's the third largest type of textile, but there are 300 million trees that are logged every year to make viscose textiles. And under the kind of the umbrella family of this kind of viscose textiles includes rayon, modal, lyocell. People will probably notice that. They're looking at their tags. So what happens is, you know, a forest will be logged. Those trees are put on the back of a truck and shipped to a mill where it's put in a giant blender and mixed with a whole bunch of chemicals. And then you have eventually the what's called dissolving pulp coming out of that process, which is the cellulose part of the tree that is then fed generally into another mill where it's mixed up with a whole bunch of other chemicals. And then it's shot through a shower head and you end up with the viscose fiber. But its origins can be from the world's most high carbon biodiverse forest ecosystems. Me being an athlete myself, I'm sure I am using a lot of viscous as well. You need that viscosity in your athleisure, in your leisure wear as well. What do you have to say about packaging, for example? I mean, is that something which also impacts the ancient forest? Absolutely. And so there's 300 million trees that are cut down every year to make viscose. There's more than 3 billion trees that are cut down every year to make paper-based packaging. Now, of course, not all of that paper-based packaging is being used by the fashion industry, but the fashion industry is one of the largest business to consumer. There is a lot of packaging that's involved, be it from shipping materials from where they're manufactured to the warehouse, from the warehouse to the store, and then ultimately to the consumer, including for every e-retail purchase, there's generally seven times the amount of packaging used than if it was an in-store purchase. So, 
there is a lot of packaging and a lot of forests that disappear. And I think we're smarter than using 400-year-old trees and vibrant ancient forest ecosystems to make you know, shipping boxes and t-shirts. Well, yeah, I agree. But I think as a consumer, there's a lot of introspection that we all have to do. One, being a little more mindful. I think one of the other things for a consumer, Rupu, and I'm not sure if, if this is something that you've noted as well, but it can be hard as a consumer to have a line of sight. And to be honest, sometimes it can even be difficult for brands to start off with, to have a line of sight on exactly where that product is originating and then therefore the impacts associated with it. And that's part of the work that we've been doing at Canopy is really trying to increase the visibility that there is in these opaque supply chains, the viscose supply chain, the packaging supply chain, so that brands can have a better sense of there is risk for me if I continue to source from this producer because they're operating in a high carbon or high biodiversity value forest ecosystem, or they have conflict with local communities. And therefore I need to look at either sourcing from you know, another supplier uh, who's doing a better job, or I need to look at weaning myself off being so reliant on forest fiber altogether and look at more circular next generation alternatives instead. So is viscous a better material than polyester or recycled polyester for that matter? Well, that's the $64 question. And Pumarang alone, there are a lot of brands that are looking to, you know, reduce their reliance on cotton at the moment. And they're looking at viscose as a solution. They're looking to reduce their reliance on polyester and they're looking at viscose as a solution. And, you know, of course, I mean, it, we should be looking to reduce our reliance on virgin fiber altogether, uh, particularly virgin fibers that come from kind of fossil fuel kind of origins, which polyester does. But just shifting over to using more viscose, which will lead to that kind of 300 million trees that are being logged to make viscose moving to, you know, 400, 500, 600 million trees kind of within the next eight to 10 years. We want to be really mindful to make sure that we're not just trading in one environmental disaster for another. How do we actually transition to lower carbon, more circular production systems because these take-make-waste production systems, they're relics of the 20th century, and we need to leave them back there. Next-gen solutions, circular production, that's the future of fashion. There are 100 billion items of clothing produced every year, and more than 60% of that is in landfill within the first 12 months. You'll know that number just as well as I do. We have millions and millions of tons of straw that are left over after the food grain harvest every year around the world. Where you are at the moment now often struggles with air quality pollution, right? Because of the burning of straw after the food grain harvest. Like straw makes excellent fiber for making packaging and it can even be used for making a viscose alternative. And there's even a, a cool technology that we work with that takes the byproduct of coconut water production and can grow viscose through a fermentation process with that. And so it's really, I think, how do we avoid the kind of reductive sort of like, oh, it's paper or plastic, it's, you know, polyester or viscose, where we're basically jumping from the fry pan into the, the fire, trading in ocean pollution for deforestation, and actually really kind of shift over to these more systemic solutions that are next gen and more circular production. My takeaway is there's no easy answer 
or there's no one quick fix. How about that everything that we manufacture is like easily biodegradable whenever we decide not to wear it anymore? I think that's a good checkbox. I think the other one is making sure that clothes are designed so that they can actually be recycled and turned into next season's clothing or athletic wear. Well, I think that's that's a wonderful thought to be able to think about the next step of where this fabric will, once it's no longer in use, be in that fast fashion space, the first consumer. Can they hand it out to the second consumer or can this be turned into something else? I mean, saris, I'm sure most people know about saris. Most saris are handed from one generation over to the other. And when it's completely in a state where it cannot be used, it's then turned into curtains. From curtains, maybe it gets turned into a mop. And from mop, when it's completely toned there, it's turned into a carpet. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Khadi. Khadi is a process to make everything slowly with love and with hand. Now, that might not be uh, great for the industrial setup that we talk about, but what if the world transitions towards a little more slow living, mindful living? Khadi could be a great alternative too. I'd like to go a little deeper, ask you what's Canopy's role in trying to protect against deforestation of these ancient forests. We do a lot of work in the supply chains, which don't sound very sexy, but when it comes to stabilizing our climate, supply chains are kind of the hottest ticket on the planet. And so we currently work with 536 large fashion brands, um, including Puma, uh, as well as H&M and Zara and luxury brands. We help them to develop cutting edge environmental policies that commit to not sourcing from H&M endangered forests and ultimately helping to protect and conserve forest ecosystems. Those brands represent just under a trillion dollars in annual revenues. So they have quite a bit of purchasing muscle and have the ability to incentivize their suppliers to change business as usual practice. So we work with brands to develop policies. We then work with them to help implement those policies to engage their suppliers. So that's where brands like Puma and others have been really instrumental because they've made a policy commitment. They've leaned in with their suppliers to tell them that they have zero tolerance for sourcing from controversial sources. They're sending very clear signals and prioritizing in their purchasing, buying from kind of lower carbon stocks, like incentivizing the production of circular next-gen alternatives. And all of those cues and actions from the marketplace are really important in getting these big producers that have a lot of control over what happens ultimately on the ground in forest ecosystems and actually incentivizing them to change. These manufacturers, these materials, where do they get diverted to? Because that's very important to know because ultimately there is a carbon footprint to everything. Yeah, well, and as Jane Goodall famously says, even chimpanzees have a carbon footprint, right? Um, so indeed, we, we all do have a carbon footprint. So what the interim step is, is to make sure that viscose is not coming from a really high carbon, high biodiversity value forest ecosystem or an indigenous community or traditional communities. And so that's a pretty low bar to be clearing, but it's an important bar. 
to clear. And so the alternatives to that would be Forest Stewardship Council certified wood fiber from an area that is not an ancient and endangered forest. It could be a plantation uh, in an area that isn't sort of important from a carbon or a biodiversity perspective. But ultimately, the where we need to be heading is away from being so reliant on forests, because scientists are telling us we have to protect 50% of the world's forests to stabilize our climate, to stabilize biodiversity. And so we need to diversify the fiber basket to use discarded clothing that would otherwise be degrading into methane in, in landfills, or to use agricultural residues like straw that would be burnt after the food grain harvest. And so to actually accelerate the production of those. And so that's the, I think, really exciting next frontier of the work with the fashion industry. Thank you, Nicole, for joining us today. And thank you for all the wonderful insights. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for including us in the mix. From the conversation today, I think what changes in me personally is the fact that every small action that I make here in, in this part of the world impacts uh, the biodiversity in the other part of the world. We might think uh, that an orangutan in some remote forest somewhere doesn't really get impacted by our actions but it does because for example what we buy it comes from a manufacturer the manufacturer also purchases the the, the materials the, and the logistics of it it's so it, it's all deeply connected and everything uh, that we do does impact everything else around us me i i'd be more mindful in my choices going forward You've been listening to Regen Reports for Puma. If you liked today's episode, please share it with your friends. There are 10 episodes about different aspects of the fashion industry, from climate action to chemicals and health and safety. Find them all by following Regen Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Puma publishes all of its progress, challenges and setbacks in its sustainability report. You can find the 2022 report online now by going to about.puma.com. There's only one forever. Let's make it better.